Frank Miramuzi is the Executive Director of the National Association of Professional Environmentalists in Uganda. He has over 20 years' experience furthering Indigenous rights and nature conservation. NAEP advocates for the rights and protection of both humans and nature as a sustainable model of conservation based on cultural heritage. In this episode, Frank talks about the threats to land rights faced by Indigenous communities. Many are losing ancestral land to oil extraction, plantations and industries, resulting in the loss of cultural heritage. For Indigenous people, forests supply medicine, food, shelter, community and connection to ancestors. Dispossession from land, and therefore culture and nature, is a death. Frank talks about community conservation, which promotes environmental models which respect the indivisibility of nature and culture, and challenges unsustainable investor-led models, which result in forests being cleared to plant non-Indigenous trees for exports. Actions which displace both people and nature. NAEP supports Indigenous communities to share knowledge about environmental challenges and in understanding the mindset of developers who do not value the sacredness of nature. One of the ways that they do this is through the Community Green Radio, which serves rural areas. I'm very excited to be here today with Frank Muramusi, who is the Executive Director of the National Association of Professional Environmentalists in Uganda. Hi Frank. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm looking forward to talking about the work that you've been doing for several decades now in Uganda, uh, protecting nature but also um, advocating for indigenous communities. Yes, uh, that's what we have been doing. Would you like to start by talking about the work of the National Association of Professional Environmentalists? Yes, we uh, we cover uh, the whole country and uh, in the areas of uh, uh, biodiversity, uh, in the area of nature conservation, and in the area of promoting cultural heritage, and in the area of encouraging people and educating them uh, to love nature, and also think of development from the nature point of view, not a development from the modern development um, agenda where you have investors clearing the forests and replacing them with exotic trees or plantations like sugarcane or putting a lot of industries along the wetlands. Uh, So that's not the development we promote. We promote a development uh, from the nature and culture point overview and we cover the whole country and we benefit uh, a lot from the knowledge of the indigenous people but also we encourage that and we disseminate it and bring people to sit together and learn from themselves. We think learning happens amongst themselves mm-hmm. but also we promote uh, human rights and in the human rights we are talking about women uh, rights. Mm-hmm. We are talking about nature, uh, the rights of nature, mm-hmm. and also we are talking about uh, uh, indigenous food uh, varieties and seeds. Because mm-hmm. all when you talk about food, you talk about nature, the nature trees. Uh, then you are talking about the women. Uh, then you are talking about the indigenous uh, people. 
then that is the human rights we are promoting. Yeah, there's such a wide range of issues that you're working on from uh, the rights perspective, from indigenous and traditional knowledge, from protecting nature, from advocating against uh, extraction and the misuse of natural resources. I'm just wondering if we um, sort of have a deeper look at these different topics that you're you're working on so we can really understand what's happening on the, the ground in Uganda spoken uh, before about the importance of community. I'm wondering if that might be a, a starting place, just understanding some of the concerns and the challenges that the communities are experiencing in relation to nature. Yes, in uh, many of our communities uh, in Uganda, uh, people uh, suffer from losing their land uh, because of the kind of exotic uh, modern uh, development can be oil extraction, uh, can be plantation establishments, could be establishing the industries, and in most cases, the communities lose their land, they lose their burial ground and cultural heritage, they lose their community uh, forests, the touch of the indigenous uh, foods. Mm-hmm. So we are saying that is not uh, right. Uh, as a modern government, that one is not sustainable. Yeah. After we have uh, an approach called the sustainability schools, and in our approach, uh, we think that um, knowledge comes from the people themselves, mm-hmm. and when they are in touch with uh, nature, they in touch with um, uh, their cultural heritage, they are touch with their community, uh, forests where they get uh, firewood, where they get uh, medicine, where they get you know food and all of that kind of thing. We think that is the development that is sustainable. Mm-hmm. You tell us. Uh a bit more about one of these projects. It, it sounds that what they're facing is deeply devastating, the destruction of the culture, whether it's connection with ancestors on the land or having access to medicinal plants. It, it feels um, deeply destructive to culture, but also to passing on knowledge about nature. Yes, it, it is displacing nature. This so-called modern environment is not a sustainable development. Mm-hmm. For example, the extraction of the natural uh, and cultural heritage and uh, either government or the so-called investors uh, want to establish some factories or big industries or plantations, they take people's land. That is one. Two, they create a huge and indigenous uh, forests where people have been benefiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, they dismantle the burial grounds and the cultural heritage, the sacred natural sites. They clear all of them. They don't want even to know where your grand and grand parents were buried or where you buried your children. Mm. But for us, I think there is that connection here with you. They are physically not there, but spiritually you are together, and that's why you are called. Uh, whom you are called because of your lineage, because of your culture, you're always in a touch. Yes. And those happens because you have your community uh, forests, you have your wetlands near you, 
the wells where you uh, fetch water, uh, uh, that forest where you grow food and get uh, medicine. And uh, to us, that's what makes a person's uh, life, and that is uh, sustainability we are talking about. Mm -hmm. And what we always do, we want one community share with another community of similar nature, and they learn from one another. And to us, we think that is sustainable learning. Yes. And is this learning that's happening between different indigenous communities or is this also about people from urban areas learning about nature through traditional knowledge? First of all, the people from the urban, they don't quickly appreciate. Mm -hmm. But that would be also the intention. would want even the, uh, the people from the urban centres uh, also to go and learn from the community settings. And in any case, our, our brief is that those people who have gone to school, those who have lived in the urban centers, they think they have a lot of knowledge. But for example, when they are doing research, uh, they go and ask the very people, the very communities, to give them information, and they write huge uh, books. Yes. And uh, in doing that, they own the process as if the knowledge is there. Uh, yeah. But the knowledge belongs to the communities, to those old women, those old men yeah. uh, have the knowledge. So um, we want the modern people, the urban people, to go and learn from the communities. Mm. Uh, and also let me tell you this, is that uh, these um, urban uh, uh, people, what they eat, they get it from the communities. Mm. They depend on the communities. The water that uh, they get in their taps uh, come from the rivers that are protected by the communities. Mm -hmm. The air they breathe uh, when the communities protect their forests in their natural form, the, the, the night comes from uh, the communities. The communities are the ones that support yes. the urban peoples. It yeah. is important uh, that even the urban people go to the communities and learn and start appreciating. And that is our um, eventual goal that we want to achieve. Yeah. It feels that there's almost a universal lack of respect for the knowledge of indigenous peoples, even though we, whether in Africa or the West, are hugely reliant on this knowledge. Yes, uh, and, and, and indeed. But, you know, appreciating that one is not an easy thing. And from our understanding and from the experience from the decades who have been working on, on these issues, we have seen that um, the communities have vast uh, sustainable knowledge, which is needed by the urban uh, people, uh, <laughs> even globally, even globally. So when you become detached from the communities, then you are detaching yourself from the sustainable knowledge. Yes. Whether you are so educated or you think you have a lot of money, money, the paper money or the money in the bank is not uh, sustainable money. Money, mm -hmm. uh, what can be sustainable is that money that is related to uh, the forests, uh, the indigenous uh, trees, uh, taking water into these big oceans and um, big lakes, uh, and that water that ends up in the tap, um, in the washroom, in uh, an urban uh, setting. Mm -hmm. So we think life uh, support comes from the communities. Yes. You mentioned non-indigenous tree species. 
I'm wondering if you can say a bit more about how they're impacting communities and also how they're threatening indigenous forests. Yes, we have uh, in Uganda, for example, uh, a number of indigenous tree species. These indigenous trees uh, take time to grow. You may find that um, a tree can mature in the uh, next 50 years, others 90 years actually. Mm-hmm. That time they are taking those trees that they are trying to gather a lot of functionalities. They gather medicines in their um, own setting. Uh, they support the other undergrowth. They create manure. Of course, in this era of climate change that is um, created by the urban uh, people, mostly, uh, they also absorb those um, bad gases that um, uh, create and worsen the effects of climate change. So all that they absorb. So the, the culture I talked about, the cultural heritage, all that is embedded in those uh, natural and indigenous uh, trees. These exotic trees, which are alien to uh, Uganda, for example, or even Africa, you are talking about pines, different types, those don't support any other biodiversity within them. They don't. Mm-hmm. But these indigenous uh, trees, they help other biodiversity to survive the other shrubs, the other um, uh, undergrowth, the other uh, different types of trees. Uh, but uh, when you talk about a pine, it does not allow the growth of other biodiversity, other smaller animals and all those. Yes. They are acidic in, in nature. But yes. these other indigenous trees, they are very okay and they support life. Yes. So the, the pine and you mentioned eucalyptus, are they being grown for export? What's the the reason for plantations of these trees? I think there is a, a wrong uh, thinking that um, when you create the natural indigenous forests, which as I said, they take long to, to mature. Like pines, they uh, first growing, they take about to, uh, 10 years, 15 years, you are harvesting, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, pine, you are ha- uh, harvesting pine. Um, unlike other uh, trees of ours, which take 40 years, 50 years. Yeah. So the thinking that they are fast growing, but they are not looking at other negative aspects of mm-hmm. those uh, trees. First of all, some of those trees, they just grow once and they will never grow again. They don't sprout. Mm-hmm. But uh, our natural indigenous um, uh, species, they sprout. You can um, cut and then it will again grow. You can use some of the branches for building purposes, uh, for cooking, uh, for shade, and then another branch will uh, sprout. So that is the sustainability we are talking mm-hmm. about. But those other pines uh, and other exotic trees, they just come once and you think you have harvested money. Uh, uh, and um, the urban people raise no promote that because they want uh, in eight, ten years uh, to get the pines and then they get the money, either they export mm-hmm. uh, the timber and they, the money and they are finished. But then they have killed what the communities have been benefiting from. Mm. It sounds that the biodiversity is lost as well as um, the land being taken from indigenous communities. Yes, of course, when um, those urban people come to the communities and um, 
that land either they buy it cheaper from the communities or they force take it or they it is leased to them then the people the communities are evicted and you find that their life is lost and in the end that is death gosh so they're dis- dispossessed displaced yes it feels um that this is an international issue in that these trees are being sent to exports outside of uganda yes the most of them are outside uganda they come from outside uganda and also they are exported to the outside uganda mm. so you look at the agenda the agenda i think uh, is that um, these international uh, urban you know, people who live in towns for them they need nice timber chairs for building or whatever so our own uh, indigenous trees they bring theirs and uh, at the end of the day they know it is them who who are going to benefit from them. Yeah. They are the, the ones who want very nice, uh, uh, soft timber. Mm. How does the work of your organization help support indigenous communities faced with this threat? Uh, we, first of all, we disseminate knowledge. And uh, the best way to disseminate knowledge is uh, when the communities learn from their fellow communities of kind of near similar uh, settings or knowledge, that is one. Mm-hmm. Two, we have uh, what we call a community green radio, whereby we, we get the communities, they come to the radio, it is in the rural area, and then the communities uh, are there, and they are discussing issues like we are discussing now, and in their local language which they understand, other members, they are listening to the radios uh, through the listeners' clubs. We have uh, the listeners' clubs, uh, they get uh, one radio in a community, and then um, if there is a very interesting uh, topic, then they call uh, one another, then they listen together, and some of the community leaders come to the radio, and they, uh, they on the radio, they teach their fellow leaders. So in that case, we educate, uh, the, the, the communities educate themselves. And of course, the urban uh, people eventually, they also come to learn uh, to do that. But mm-hmm. what is more important is that once the communities are empowered, they can speak, they can also engage uh, the urban uh, people and they start protecting their own land. They start protecting um, their own forests, community forests. They start protecting their own um, natural resources, including uh, rivers and uh, swamps and wells, but also the food. Mm-hmm. They start protecting their own seeds and their own food. So we think in that case they are being empowered. Yes. It sounds that you're informing them about the value system of urban communities and perhaps a more Western approach so that they understand that there are people that don't share the same philosophy around um, the importance and sacredness of nature. Yes. It sounds that that's often a vulnerability for Indigenous people who have an intricate understanding of the sacredness of nature, that there are human cultures which don't share those points of view and will exploit nature to the point of destroying natural systems. Yes, and you see the, the communities, the, the communities for them, they live with nature. 
they support in nature, but also nature supports them. Mm. And uh, we want them to continue appreciating the fact that when you support nature, nature will support you in terms of sustainability, in terms of providing you food, in terms of um, providing with you uh, a nice uh, air to breathe, yeah. in terms of uh, giving you firewood, in terms of uh, giving you medicine, but also in terms of uh, um, protecting your cultural heritage. Mm -hmm. So you find that um, why do they benefit from uh, nature, also nature, uh, feeds them. It, it is like um, an African mother with a kid. You circle your mother, and uh, then you go and do work for for her. You fetch fire, firewood, and and uh, then she cooks food. Then you she eats. You also eat, and then until you grow. So the mother helps you to 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 grow up and become uh, your own person and you sustain uh, yourself. Mm. So we think nature is like our mother. Yes. It's like our mother. We feed on it, but also we need to help uh, it. And uh, in our African setting, when your mother grows old, uh, you don't necessarily have to uh, destroy her and kill her because she's an old woman. You still remember where you came from. So that knowledge helps us to appreciate Yes. Uh, nature. Yeah. It, it feels like it's a, a different value system from the so-called developed world that has lost respect and is killing themselves by killing nature. Yes, killing nature is like you are killing your parents, you are killing your, your mother, but that is not um, what um, we promote. For us, we promote uh, people to love nature so much but uh, continues supporting them. It is like your mother. That's why, why you get those other um, functionalities I talked about. Yes. Frank, I'd love to hear about how you came to be involved in this work. As I was saying earlier, you founded NAEP, the National Association of Professional Environmentalists, over 20 years ago. What's your background? Yes. What's, what drew you to this work? Formerly, I was a teacher, a school teacher, then later... I taught uh, at the university, but also teaching adult people, the, the, the mature people. And then uh, later uh, I studied environment, uh, environmental management. Then um, uh, from there we started, you know, uh, this uh, organization and doing these campaigns. Mm -hmm. What was happening at the time that led you to set up NAEP? There was a lot of thinking that the development is um, urban, uh, this modern environment, people are looking at uh, big buildings in towns, you know, but then they, they would not appreciate uh, the, the nature itself, the community uh, knowledge, uh, the, that purpose that is in the communities. They were not appreciating it. And at the time when we started, there was that move of destroying the wetlands and uh, the established plantations of destroying the natural forests, tropical forests. So that move was there. Mm. Uh, but also looking at the animals in the wild, you know, they thought that that was not necessary. Mm. And actually, at one time, many educated people and politicians were criticizing me and my other colleagues that for us, we only promote um, lizards 
and uh, snakes that live in the trees. So they said, for us, we need um, uh, to protect and promote the handhold. A handhold is the, using the hole to grow food. They said that is not sustainable. Mm. But in a sense, uh, we have been proven right. And for them, they have been proven wrong. Yes. It sounds that at the time there was a move for a form of development that was seen as progressive, but actually was very destructive. Yeah, for example, now when you go to urban um, uh, restaurants here in Uganda, the few indigenous uh, restaurants that serve indigenous uh, foods, they are being frocked by many, many, many people. They like that food, including uh, the educated people, the tourists, they come for that food that is co- uh, cooked in those uh, restaurants. Mm-hmm. Those restaurants that um, uh, cook uh, modern foods, uh, they are not so popular. Right. They are not so popular. So people like indigenous foods. That's what I'm saying. With time, uh, people are beginning to see what we are uh, talking about. Though we need to do a little more and more education and start uh, continue to show people that this is the way to go. Yeah. What's your favourite indigenous meal? What kind of ingredients are in it? No, for us we have the millet. The, the, the millet, you just grind it and then you mango it and then um, you, you get your um, beans and you get your um, vegetables. And uh, if you have the mushrooms uh, that are grown in the in the forests, then you mix uh, them up, and uh, you get a nice nice uh, uh, meal. Maybe when I visit uh, I visit you, uh, but I no longer want to travel a lot. But maybe that's if you can get that one, I'd be happier. Yes, that sounds great. We need uh, to put a lot of efforts in uh, educating the people, the urban people, uh, the global people uh, who don't uh, yet appreciate the work of the communities, mm. the, the, the work of the, uh, of the um, uh, indigenous uh, trees, uh, the work of the indigenous knowledge and the cultural heritage, really to, to try to appreciate that one, and if there are resources, of course, uh, resources and uh, notaries are available, but that would be good. So that even the young people, the young people uh, managing this um, uh, country, our country here, but also other countries, uh, they need to start appreciating this and learn this. Yes, yes. And um, the, the indigenous people need to be more visible, they need to be heard more. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, another question, um, Frank, is, and that's around climate change and whether you're seeing uh, the impact of a changing climate in the communities you're working with. That's the issue I'm talking about. When you look at the climate change, it is not a, a, a creation of the communities. It yes. is a creation of uh, those urban people, the so-called modern, modern people, that have created vast and vast indigenous forests, that have created wetlands, that have planted those other trees that 
don't absolve the carbon, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, people who think that having more and more factories, maybe having more and more extractives, like in Uganda now, we are clearing natural forests and natural vegetation and game reserves and national parks, protected areas, and uh, we are going to extract oil. All of those are creating climate change. And and for us in Uganda, and I think in our neighboring countries, we have started experiencing the effects of climate change. What what are the impacts you're seeing of climate change in in the uh, landscapes that you're working within? We have started uh, seeing food disappearing and not the very food we used to have. We have started uh, seeing rains not coming. And when the rains come, they come uh, at times when we don't expect, but also when even they come, they cause floods and they wash away the houses and uh, people die. Uh, we have seen a lot of long spells, killing animals and uh, uh, water drying um, in those wells and um, reducing in the rivers and in lakes and eventually water reducing even the taps of people who live in urban centers. We have also seen some unexplained uh, diseases which some people are treating them with the effects of climate change. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of things are happening in this country and in the landscapes where we are working. How are indigenous communities coping with with flooding and the change to uh, the natural habitat they live in? I think that's the education we are helping them to appreciate and then uh, promote. Uh, to continue uh, protecting their indigenous uh, trees, to protect their land, uh, not to go for this so-called modern um, uh, development, uh, so they protect their own wells, they have their own seeds, uh, so they don't have to get those other seeds that are imported, and uh, they don't um, live to the climate change of those areas. Yeah, but in the moments of the, of the flooding, are people having to abandon their villages? What What's the uh, immediate impact for people? You know, when floods come, they, they kill people, and uh, that one you cannot uh, help it. Floods have come, they wash away the animals, people die. Like in eastern Uganda, people have died, they have lost their uh, lives. So that has uh, happened, and even in western Uganda, that, that has happened. Uh, so they die, but um, we try to educate them the causes uh, of uh, what brings all of those mm. so that people can start appreciating. Yes, but it sounds that in the Ugandan context that the devastation is here, that people are losing their lives because of this change in, in our weather, the change in climate. Yes, people lose their, 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 um, their lives uh, and their natural setting. Even if, by the way, you compensate them, you give them money, it doesn't help a lot. But uh, maybe uh, you get money and um, uh, you invest more in education and promoting um, uh, the indigenous knowledge and those uh, aspects we have talked about, that is uh, also okay. Mm -hmm. But also you start avoiding those um, uh, developments that um, uh, destabilize the natural environment 
and uh, the, the people. Yes. Yeah. Frank, thanks so much for your time today and sharing uh, just some of the work that you're involved with because I know that there's so much more that you do do. Um, how can people find out more about uh, your organization and, and your work? No, I think like now we are, talk, we are talking with you, we are not together in Uganda. Then maybe you, you need to popularize our work. We can always know, talk uh, a little more. Uh, we can, money is not always there, but uh, maybe our community green radio could be supported. Our sustainability school programs can be supported. The uh, indigenous, rather community uh, um, initiatives that are being you know done can be uh, supported so that the work uh, can spread uh, far and wide. Yes. And what's your your website? How can people um, have a look uh, more about what you do? Yes, is, uh, our website is www.nape. Nape is N-A-P-E dot O-R dot U-G. That's great. It's been uh, really insightful to hear about what's happening on the ground in Uganda and how you're working to protect communities. Thanks so much for your time, Frank. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to Black Nature Narratives. Check back soon for new episodes. If you're in the UK and want to be part of a community of people of colour gathering in nature in real life, sign up to wildinacity.org.uk for updates, events and membership. To support this podcast, visit our Patreon page or the link below.